Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Jamf Mobile Device Management. Get a free 14-day trial at jamf.it slash appleinsider. And Molecule. Get 10% off your first order when you use the promo code appleinsider, all one word. And the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower. Use the promo code appleinsider for 15% off Nebbia products. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and joining me this week, my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How you doing? Hello. I'm, well, I was going to say I'm really well. Definitely in a good mood. Definitely up. Right. But, you know, still no parcel from you with iPads and Apple Silicon involved. Well, listen, I mean, chances of that parcel coming, it's, it's very much up in the air. And so that, that was actually a great segue. <laughs> I'll assume that you, you intended that because the big news is this March event that Apple may or may not hold where said iPads may or may not be released. All information is pointing towards now March 23rd. Earlier rumors pointing towards the 16th, which would be less than a week from the time of this recording if you're listening to it on the day it comes out. But now, everyone's saying March 23rd. There was a tweet from, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this. I mean, and William, I know you're from the UK. I think you have better pronunciation, so I'll defer to you if, if you know how to pronounce it. But a tweet from... Duan Rui? That's what I say as well. So it must be right, clearly. That's right. Okay, very good. Well, a tweet from him and then subsequent leakers like John Prosser and Apple Track, they are all looking at March 23rd, most likely going to be an Apple event. Now, if there is an event, which again, Apple is not confirmed, if there's going to be an announcement, it'll probably come this Tuesday, March 16th. You know, Apple typically gives everyone a week lead time leading up to these events. But what will be announced is the question. I am hoping for iPad Pros. So many things could occur at this event. Now, it's looking like new MacBook Pros, which redesigned 14-inch and the more powerful MacBook Pros using Apple Silicon. We've seen some rumors that that's probably coming later this year in 2021, possibly a summer or fall release. So I personally don't think we'll see that. There's still the possibility of the Apple Silicon iMac. Rumors say that it is ready to launch, basically. But in addition to the iMac, I'm just going to give the quick bullet points, and then I want to touch on a few of these. It's AirTags, possibly the long-rumored AirTags. Possible AirPods 3. We've seen new renders and leaks of those. Possible new iPad, iPad mini, and or iPad Pro. And we'll talk about the case at Target that alludes to one of those products. And possible Apple TV, refreshed Apple TV hardware. William, I feel like there's nothing else possibly that could be said about AirTags because they've been rumored for <laughs> forever, yes. and maybe they'll finally come out. I don't know what else to say about them. Don't you feel we've already got one? I keep patting my pockets thinking I must have one somewhere. That's a tile. You think it's an you think it's an AirTag, but it's actually a tile. Uh, you did you missed something off your list though? Okay, okay. Uh, Apple Car. That's definitely, definitely uh, going to... Look, if I'm right, it's going to be incredible, isn't it? You heard it here first and only. Sure. So, you know, just put it out there, see what happens. Okay, sure, sure. That is a, it's a possibility. <laughs> We've seen recent rumors that they could look towards Foxconn for manufacturing. So we have uh, Apple Car. That, that's uh, William's information specifically. I'll just leave that with him. <laughs> we have the possible AirTags. Now, the AirPods 3, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and now there's additional renders and images of these new supposed models. Again, if you haven't seen these, check out the chapter art. You can see what they look like there. But they basically look like AirPods Pros minus the silicone 
tip. I, you know, I keep looking at these images and I want to be excited about them, but I struggle with like, is, are these things going to stay in the ear? And I know everyone was concerned about that with the original AirPods, but I don't know. These look like a funny shape. I don't know. How do you feel about these? It took me a while to realize actually that the silicon tip was missing. I was looking at thinking, that's the AirPods Pro. It's the AirPods Pro. Oh, okay. Right. All right. I quite like the silicon tip. I don't want to be disappointed by AirPods because I love AirPods, but I mean, I'm not going to, this isn't one of those where I'm going to suddenly think the AirPods Pro in my ear are rubbish and out of date and I must change. I'll just be glad <laughs> sure, that sure. there's a new choice for people. That's what I think. Absolutely. And there's a wide range of preferences. So we actually had a listener write in after I talked about the comply foam tips that you can get as replacements for your AirPods Pro. That was David on Twitter. Mm. He said he tried the comply and loved it. So, you know, if you really want to do the AirPods Pro, current model anyway, but they don't seem to stay in your ear. I encourage you to try out some of those third-party foam inserts. But we have the AirPods 3. You can check out that render. Now, the iPad story is interesting. Some people are saying definitely iPad Pros with the 12.9-inch getting the mini LED screen, but not the 11. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But there was this case at Target from Maker Spec. They make a bunch of iPhone, iPad, different kinds of cases. But someone found this case at Target. And on the front of the case, it tells you what iPads this case is for. And it says new iPad 11 inch 2021 in parentheses, not iPad Pro. It just says new iPad 11 inch with this year. iPad doesn't exist yet. So that would be a new device. The iPad Air 2020, which is the most recent model that we saw launched in the fall, shares the iPad Pro design, but just a different feature set. And then iPad Pro 11 inch 2018 to 2020. Now, if this case is any indication, it seems as though we're going to get a new baseline iPad at the new 11-inch screen size. I think currently that iPad is at 10.9-inch. Yeah. So yeah, so this would be a new baseline iPad sharing the design, presumably, of the iPad Air because they're saying that this case fits all these models. So it doesn't appear like it's going to have that rounded edge, rounded back kind of design anymore, that it'll all be the square edge. So if this case is to be believed, it's that a new baseline 11-inch iPad is coming Nothing to say about new iPad Pro necessarily or iPad Mini, which that's rumored as well. Do you think we could take anything from this case or is Spec just kind of hoping on hope that there's a new baseline iPad coming? I'm not sure. You know, people put out cases and they're completely wrong sometimes. It isn't often, but it does happen. So I don't know. But mm. in this case, it feels like we Apple's trying to move it so that the iPad looks indistinguishable, whichever model you're going for. The same design all the way out. And it's a really good design, mm -hmm. so why not? But I think this is going to make choosing hard just last week a friend was asking me the difference between the ipad air and the ipad pro and i was advising her to go for the air because of what she needed the current mm -hmm. 11 inch pro isn't good enough so it feels to me like there's a because they're so close i think it was more likely we get a new ipad pro that would widen the gap a bit and then this case story came along and i'm just not sure so one of the other rumors that came out along with all this this past week was that Mini-LED, the screen technology that we've talked about that Ming-Chi Kuo and others have said are coming to Apple products this year, that the 12.9-inch larger iPad Pro will get the mini-LED screen, but the 11-inch smaller iPad Pro will not. This would create a feature disparity between the larger and the smaller. Right now, 
iPad Pro models, whether it's the 12.9 inch or the 11 inch, same feature set across the board. It's the screen size is the only difference. Mm. So this would be introducing, for the first time in a while, a feature disparity aside just from screen size. And this causes an issue for me, William, and also for you. You just don't know it yet because, you know, if I can't decide what to buy, I can't send you my old one. Oh, but Okay. <laughs> I know. You got to get Apple on this. And we had that with the iPhones this year also. You know, the iPhone 12 Pro Max has a better camera system than the 12 Pro. So we have feature disparity between the two screen sizes there. Yeah. When it comes to iPad, I've been talking about it on this show for a while. It's my main podcast editing device. I do a lot of work on it. And if I, I've been holding out to upgrade. I didn't do the 2020 model. I only have the 2018. And if I'm going to have to choose a feature disparity, I want the smaller size because that's what I've used. And I have a 13-inch MacBook Pro. I, find, I don't want also a 13-inch iPad. But if there's a feature disparity and many LED is only going to the big one, I feel like I might be inclined to go with that one. So I actually get the most features that are available this cycle because I'm not a every model iPad upgrader, as you would say. I don't know. What do you think, William? I, I, I'm oddly reluctant to suggest this, but you could uh, get both and return one. I don't, I, I don't know mm. why it is about me. I don't like buying things and returning them uh, just on practically a whim. Return them if they're broken, yes, that's fine. Uh, but I know plenty of people who try out different size models for exactly that reason, to see which size suits them. Um, so you could do that, or you could just buy both and whichever one you settle on, send me the other. Yeah, I, I knew it was. I knew it coming. I knew it was. Yeah, coming. Yeah, I felt I had to. I felt. <laughs> so the train all the way in the distance. Yeah, you could do that, and I will say I've returned some things at Apple, and of all the retailers, Apple really makes it easy to return things. They don't pester you with questions. They were like, oh, you didn't like it or did it not function? Like, you know, they don't ask all those annoying questions other retailers would. So I appreciate that. They do make the return easy. With COVID restrictions at different Apple stores, it will at least be a wait. I don't know. I'm not one to buy two of a thing and try it. Mm. I feel like if there's a new screen technology, I'm pretty sure I would notice the difference with the amount of time I spend on it, especially editing. So I probably would just spring for the 12.9 inch. But I really think the 12.9 is is an incredible machine. I mean, my iPad Pro is 2015 model, so very old, uh, but it's the 12.9 inch, and it's still to this day, it feels like I've got my hands in my work. You know, I've got two hands on the keyboard, mm. two hands meddling around with OmniFocus and stuff. It's very immersive, and I think more so than previous iPads I had. So I, I would try to spring for the 12.9, but it is also bulkier isn't it? So it's very hard to decide. It is, yeah. And smart keyboard-wise, that would be an additional cost because I have Apple's smart keyboard with the trackpad for my 11-inch. I was hoping I'd be able to reuse that smart keyboard with the new iPad if it comes out since the iPad Air uses the same smart keyboard. But if I go with the larger size, then that's going to take whatever the new smart keyboard because that's been rumored too that they might refresh the smart keyboard with trackpad. So, you know, that'll probably be around $700, just keyboard alone. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, we have no rumored pricing or feature set or anything like that, but at least for a size difference, it would require me to get a new one. So we will see. This episode is brought to you by Jamf Apple Device Management. I was so excited to hear when Jamf was coming on board Apple Insider because I have personally used Jamf Mobile Device Management for five plus years, and I use it right now to manage 50 plus Apple devices, from Macs to iPads to iPhones. Now, as you may know, Apple, Microsoft, and Google all have unique workflows to provision, encrypt, and deploy enterprise technology. That's why any attempt for a single management tool has failed to be successful. 
But as Apple device adoption continues to grow in organizations, people are doing bring-your-own-devices-to-work, and there's lots of people with iPhones and iPads out there, the need to provide Apple-dedicated tools for IT and security teams has never been greater. And Jamf is the only Apple enterprise management solution that covers everything you need to connect, manage, and secure Apple devices for your organization without negatively impacting the end-to-end user experience or even requiring IT to touch the device. You can literally deploy a shrink-wrapped Apple device with a Mac, iPad, or iPhone from the factory to your staff, and when it arrives, they can unbox it, power it on, and get straight to work, and the settings and provisionings and how you have it set up in Jamf will automatically be deployed. I can't tell you how useful that feature is. I've deployed many Macs and iPads. Just that way, I apply a blueprint in the Jamf software with the settings that I want, and I know as soon as that device powers on and gets turned on, I'll be able to connect to it, and it has all the settings it needs. Jamf makes access to business-critical applications a seamless experience with a single username and password. And while most security tools are created with Windows in mind, you can be assured that Jamf's sole focus is on protecting your Apple devices with a history of same-day support for Apple OS releases, your devices will be secure no matter when your users update. More than 40,000 organizations rely on Jamf to keep devices connected, up-to-date, and secure, while ensuring users have the resources they need and the world-class Apple experiences they know, love, and expect. So for you, Apple Insider listener, unlock the power of Apple and Jamf today with a free 14-day trial. Try it totally for free. To get started, go to jamf.it slash Apple Insider. That's J-A-M-F dot I-T slash Apple Insider and get a 14-day free trial. jamf.it slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Jamf for sponsoring this episode. So Apple TV, I would be interested in that. I would love for them to add spatial audio and make it better. Uh, it's my main set-top box. I watch everything through Apple TV, so I'd love to see that. And then the iPad Mini, you know, some people out there really love the iPad Mini. I think some people use it as kind of a Kindle replacement, some people for their kids or education purposes. I've actually never owned an iPad Mini, so maybe I don't know the joys of that screen size, but people are super into this idea of a refreshed iPad Mini. Have you ever had a Mini? Do you care for one? I had a Mini for a day. Uh, my sister-in-law had one and wanted me to, I can't remember what it was now, what she wanted done, but just because of times, she had to leave it with me for a day, and I ended up reading on it for an evening, and given that it's not it's not that much bigger than, I think, uh, the iPhone XS Max I had at the time, it, I really enjoyed the Mini, so I get why she's very happy with it. I need my iPad to do more than just be a reading thing. Unless I got a range of them, it wouldn't do enough of what I need. But great machines, so yay for an update. But uh, Apple TV, you just mentioned that. I remember buying Apple TV and uh, trying to convince uh, my wife, Angela, that it was worth using. Hmm. And the other day I realized she mentioned to me she can't remember how to not use it. Well, keep your eye on Apple Insider for that possible March 23rd event. And uh, again, we're very much looking forward to see Apple release some stuff this year. But talking about products that are being released and then no longer will ever be released, we have to say goodbye to the iMac Pro. It was said this past week Apple's stock was going really low, and now it is just while supplies last, and the iMac Pro is officially discontinued. You can still buy it if you go to Apple's website. I think it's the base configuration is still available, but it's only while supplies last, and then it's going to go away. That's it. We had a one-generation never refreshed iMac Pro, and that's it. Mm. We barely knew ye. 
It's sad. Everybody who got one seemed to love it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone who, who got one seemed to love it. Marco Arment from ATP, you know, he loves that. And there were we actually bought one here in my business place for a video editor, and they thought it was great. And it had a unique cooling design where people who owned it said, you know, it was super quiet. But an Apple Silicon iMac is probably going to be amazing. And this iMac Pro model is just going to be moot, I would imagine. So no more iMac Pro. That's it. Touching on the... Apple AR slash VR headset. Ming-Chi Kuo sent a note to investors this past Tuesday talking about the rumored headset that Apple is developing. Some details, again, not confirmed, but Ming-Chi Kuo is saying that there could be a total of 15 cameras on this AR headset and that it will possibly launch next year in 2022. And you know, these headset rumors, when they first started coming out, I was always very skeptical. I'm like, this doesn't feel like an Apple thing. And even the Apple car, I still struggle with sometimes. But with all the leaks and rumors that surround these products, obviously Apple is working on them. But to actually deliver a product to the public, I think is inevitable, especially with the headset. And it's one of those things where Apple does need new areas of products to get into. I mean, they have saturated the market with iPhone. Obviously, they still sell a ton of them. But as investors are looking for and they're looking for future growth, it's going to take new product categories. And, you know, Apple Silicon will do wonders for their Mac line because they make the chip now and they can control release cycle. But I'm sure Apple is always looking for those new product lines. And this AR headset, it's very interesting. I think AR is a little more interesting than VR and the possibilities there. So... You know, who knows what it will cost, you know, how accessible it will be. But I'm curious about it, for sure. I'm curious to see this thing come out one day. I believed it was coming until the 15 cameras. Now I'm thinking there's somebody in Apple Park thinking, go on, add another camera. Let's say we're going to do 15. <laughs> 10 isn't enough. Let's put 15. Go on, let's see what they go. That's a lot of cameras. The thing that threw me, there was some comment in I Michiko's mean, thing about contact lenses eventually. And that's suddenly startling. I think I've unconsciously become used to the idea of Apple glasses, but then going that stage further with lenses. I, I don't know. I just... <sighs> Do I want to walk around looking at the world knowing it's half of it's real, half of it isn't? <laughs> yeah, probably, actually. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, I, it's interesting. I, the idea is interesting. When I've done augmented reality on the phone, you know, if you've never done it, what's the app for the constellations and looking at the stars? Oh, I've used that as well, and it's so fascinating, isn't it? Sky Guide, Sky Guide. Sky Guide. Thank you. I think there are a couple, yeah. actually. There are definitely a couple. I'll put the link to a Sky Guide in the show notes. But if you've never done it, if you're looking up at the sky at night and wondering what constellations you're looking at or where's the Big Dipper, using one of these apps and pointing your phone to the sky, it uses the GPS so it knows where you are on the Earth, the accelerometer, gyroscope, all that. And it will literally line out the constellations in the sky. It'll give you the name. It'll even tell you planets. You know, if you see a star that looks super bright, it might actually be Mars or something. And the app will tell you what planet that is. So just incredible use of AR. And I think once there's actually something that people will, you know, wear or be using constantly, you know, no one's going to hold up their phone while they're walking down the street in New York City, you know, <laughs> for 20 blocks or whatever. But if you're wearing glasses and information could pop up that might be helpful or useful. I'm curious. I'm curious to see what that would look like practically. So yeah, 15 cameras seems like a lot, but I'm sure you would need that much to be able to get the reality space and computing and all that. I mean, and it has to, it'll have to take some serious chip. And I did see the contact lens thing. I mean, that feels like minority report level mm. stuff. Like I'm not yes. even sure. 
Yeah, I'm just thinking, I'm actually, I don't know what this is. Uh, I am ridiculously squeamish, ridiculously squeamish about eyes. So glasses is fine, but contact lenses, I mean, I'm fascinated. But the idea of trying to wedge them on my retina, uh, I have to look away when friends put theirs on. <laughs> I don't know why. They, they're fine with it. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. You're basically touching your eyes. It is strange. So anyway, let's also talk about Quo also mentioned that a unibody camera lens could be coming to the 2022 model iPhone, which would be a year and a half away, but that the camera system would have this kind of unibody design that integrates the camera's uh, voice coil motor with its lens array. I don't know exactly what that means, but if it would mean getting a less Swiss cheese look to the back of my iPhone, I'd be totally for it. I'd love to see a little bit of synthesis uh, in all those lenses. I don't know if that's really just a back-end hardware in the device thing, but interesting point. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to read some more details about that. Yeah, just you were saying all those terms like you knew what they were, and I was thinking, oh, this is great. I don't know any of this. He's going to explain it to me. And then, yeah, not so much. So, okay. Listen, I, I uh, take photos. I don't consider myself a photographer, but I, I have cameras. I use them. Uh, I take videos, but I don't know what the uh, voice coil motor or the, you know, lens array seems self-explanatory, but I'm not an expert in this matter. I imagine it means better and more durable camera systems. I think that's how it translates. Yes. <laughs> Why didn't they just say that? Gosh, I don't know. Right, exactly, yes. exactly. This episode is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule air purifiers are reimagining the future of clean air. Global air pollution is worsening at an ever-increasing rate. Over 80% of people living in urban areas that monitor air pollution are exposed to air quality below World Health Organization standards. What sets Molecule apart is the Pico technology that they have developed, which doesn't just trap pollutants and allergens, but actually destroys these on a molecular level. How do they do this? Being developed over 20 years, Molecule's patented photo electrochemical oxidation, you like that? That's what the PICO stands for, is scientifically proven to break down pollutants to their safer molecular components without producing ozone, a known lung irritant. Molecule can destroy airborne pollutants, including allergens like pollen, mold, dust, mites, and pet dander. And remember, it doesn't just collect these air pollutants, it actually destroys them on a molecular level. And this PICO technology actually destroys pollutants a thousand times smaller than what the HEPA filter standard tests for. And one of the things I love about Molecule is they don't look like other air purifiers. They're not an eyesore. They are beautifully designed. And some of their models actually have HomeKit. If you didn't know, we actually had the Molecule CEO, Jay Arau, on our HomeKit Insider Show. We interviewed her, and it was incredible to learn about all the development and the technology that has gone in to these beautiful devices. Molecule also has a wide range of products that could provide clean air solutions, for all your spaces, whether they are large, small, or the Air Pro for your extra large rooms in your home or business. Pick the unit that's best for your space, and you can even create a discounted bundle to help you protect your home, office, or business against pollutants. For 10% off your first air purifier order, visit Molecule, that's Molecule with a K, dot com, and at checkout, enter the promo code Apple Insider, all one word. That's Molecule, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E dot com, and use the promo code Apple Insider. Start breathing cleaner air today and use the promo code Apple Insider for 10% off at Molecule.com. Our thanks to Molecule for sponsoring this episode. 
So a bunch of apps updated this past week to support Apple Silicon, notably Adobe Photoshop, DaVinci Resolve, and Fusion, the video editing programs. But there are some caveats. Oh, also 1Password, the great 1Password app. We've talked about it on the show before. I use it. Uh, Many other Apple Insider staff use it as well. For something like 1Password, you don't notice a ton different because it was really fast already with Rosetta on an M1, and it's not too intensive. But for Photoshop, DaVinci, video editing and all that, it's big news. But Photoshop is missing some pretty important features on the Apple Silicon version. So if you're a heavy Photoshop user and you're involved in that Adobe world, the creative suite, you might want to wait on whether you upgrade or not some of the missing features. This is not an exhaustive list. I'll put a link in show notes if you want to read about all the features that are missing. But things like the import or export of embedded video layers, the share an image quick share button. If you want to start the bridge application from a Photoshop menu, that's broken. doesn't work with the Apple Silicon version. There's some issues when exporting SVG files, which if you design for the web, that'd be kind of a big deal if you couldn't do that. Also, multi-app workflows such as copy and pasting or editing in Photoshop and going to Lightroom or Illustrator, going back and forth between those applications. There's not going to be compatibility right now because while Photoshop can run on Apple Silicon at the moment. Not all those other apps can. And if it's in Rosetta emulation, like Illustrator, then it's not going to talk with Photoshop. So some pretty big caveats. You can obviously try it, try both if you have an Apple Silicon Mac, but it's nice to know that Adobe is working on it and the support for Apple Silicon is coming quickly. Do you use any of those apps or would you notice anything? I use 1Password, absolutely. Um, Photoshop, I kind of dip into twice a year something like that so i probably wouldn't notice with that i I'm, I'm with you i'm glad that adobe's pushing it out even though it's frustrating that it isn't completely working some of those things you wonder why how could that possibly not work but uh the fact that they're pushing it out and they're doing it and they're working on it is great when others are not so i'm actually i'm, I'm in two months whether to talk about this yet because i'm waiting for a response um evernote mm. publicly all evernote have said is that they are not planning to do apple silicon at all it's not on our roadmap. And then when I pressed the support people on Twitter, they said, well, we'd like to. <laughs> and the fact that you're asking will help weigh down that decision of whether we do or not. And I think, do they not realize that Rosetta 2 is not going to last forever? Right. So I've tried to ask them, you know, what is your formal position? And they're actually ignoring me completely. So I feel like they're ignoring me. Really? They haven't noticed Rosetta is going to go away. I mean, I used to love Evernote and I left it because there were so many problems with it. And I'm I'm worried that Evernote is going to die on the Mac because they didn't notice this change was going on. It's a weird and peculiar time with them. And there's so many people that have used Evernote for a long time, really embedded their workflow with Evernote and just super bought into the system. And a lot of them complain because Evernote, whenever it makes major changes to its apps or its platform, it never seems like it's for the better. Like they either, you know, mess up some base feature and Evernote, I used it when it first came out, and there wasn't a ton of other options for note-taking apps. Obviously, built-in Apple Notes, but Evernote definitely allowed and offered more features, more power. 
and even like CGP Gray, YouTuber, uh, he has the podcast Cortex with Mike Hurley. He'll talk about Evernote, and he is so embedded in the system. He's used things like OCR on certain documents, and you know he has his entire video note library in there for searching. And it's difficult to switch because other note apps don't offer all the features, so it's not going to carry over. But he doesn't like it. You know, he doesn't he doesn't want to stay with it. And it seems like that is the general consensus. People are begrudgingly staying with Evernote because there's not a good option. Microsoft OneNote. It doesn't have all the same features. It's not as nicely designed if the aesthetic is important to you. So it seems like the most devout Evernote users are begrudgingly using it. And now that Evernote is basically saying we don't care to support or work on it anymore. I mean, it feels like Evernote is not long for this world. It's been not long for this world for years, though. Do you still use Evernote? Well, I've still got it. I've still got 5,000 notes in there, but I use it to dip into to refer really rarely. Uh, now everything goes in Apple Notes for it or other things when I'm trying them, Dev and Think and things. But Evernote is no longer on my front page of my iPhone. I can't remember the last time I opened the Mac app. I just, I, there are so many times when it's let me down. Uh, you said about updates and they did this one update a few years ago now where actually it was the result of some some sponsorship deal. They added links to all of your notes that referred you to some, uh, some newspapers, articles on the same topic, whether you wanted to or not. And fine. If you have 5,000 <laughs> notes, though, it looked at each one of the 5,000 oh, no. to decide if the link or not. And it actually, it bricked uh, my iPhone. That's terrible. When I... Saturday morning, going to an event, all the event details in Evernote, like everything else was, and I could not use the app. And Saturday morning is bad enough, but their support people don't work on the weekends, as I found out then. So they released a gigantic update and wouldn't support it. Uh, and then I had this thing where I think I may have said this to you before, but I, will, I was a premium subscriber. And one of the benefits of that is uh, immediate support. But the bug I had was that it forgot I was a premium supporter. So it just dropped me completely. Wow. And it took them more than a week to get back to me and answer my support questions. So I was not getting what I was paying for in any way. And it was, Ugh. I mean, I don't know how I got to the event actually. Uh, I remember how pale <laughs> I felt when these complicated directions were suddenly just not available to me anymore. Ugh. So yeah, Evernote. What happened to Evernote? <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps I'm completely wrong. And even now they are preparing a press statement that says, of course, we're going to support Apple Silicon. I hope so. But mm. when they don't tell you, how can you risk putting effort and time and money? into them. People's notes are important. You know, I've, for one, my meeting notes for work, my, any writings is going to be in some kind of note app. If I do research or take notes on a book I'm reading, I mean, this is information that is important to me. And I also want it in a format that is exportable and transferable. And so I'm, I typically use apps like Bear and I'm actually trying IA Writer again, and I'm actually enjoying it. But those applications allow you to export all your notes in varying formats, and you can move it around. Something like Evernote, you might be able to export your notes, but because it has such deep features, whether it's integrated media in your notes or OCR again or different things like that, you're not going to be able to move your entire Evernote library somewhere else easily. Like It's going to be a chore if you want to move it. And I try not to lock myself into a system like that. 
Well, it looks like an internal AppleCare email seen by MacRumors points to randomized serial numbers coming to Apple products early this year in 2021. Now, if you have an Apple product, it has a static serial number with this randomized serial number thing. It's going to be 10 digits in length, and the change in format will basically make it impossible to gleam certain details of the device, such as the location of manufacturing, where it was made, even the week and year of production details that can be determined with the current serial number system. But once they go to this randomized serial number system, it won't be like that. You won't be able to find that information. And I think some of the numbers or letters of the serial number will be like hashed out with X's in the if you look it up on your device. So interesting. I'm not sure the exact motivation if they're just trying to make some of that information more obscure, but randomized serial numbers probably coming to Apple products this year. They're just spoiling the fun. The, I, the hours I spend reading the serial numbers <laughs> off my devices and writing down points of origin. It's like a train spotting habit with me, really, and they're taking it away, and I don't know why. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower. If Apple made a showerhead, this would be it. Let me tell you a little bit about where Nebbia comes from. They originated in Mexico City where water shortages were a big problem. They came to Silicon Valley to raise money. And get this, none other than Tim Cook, Apple CEO himself, was Nebbia's first investor. Not only that, but the Nebbia product was developed by former Tesla, Apple, and NASA engineers to create a superior shower experience while saving water. And that's the mission of the company. They want to save water and have already saved over 175 million gallons of water. Now, when you think about changing out your shower head, that might seem a little intimidating. You might not be a super do-it-yourself person, but me which I'm not super do it yourself. I got the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower, opened it up, and they have super clear instructions step-by-step. They give you all the parts you need. I was actually able to swap out my shower head in really just about 15 minutes, and now it looks great, and my entire family loves the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower. Not only does it save water, but it actually feels like a spa experience. It atomizes the water, that's the fancy word for it, and it envelops you with water. You can also get it with the magic wand attachment, and it goes on this little magnetic dome you put on the side of your shower. Really love that. And not only does it have great rinseability, it actually has great thermal comfort. I learned that term from them, and that means it just gets really hot and it feels great. It comes in multiple finishes. I got the brush nickel finish, and it looks great in my bathroom against the tile. And this is Nebbia's most advanced and affordable shower, starting at just $199. And not only can you get the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower, but they have tons of accessories. I actually have one of their shower shelves in the same brush nickel finish. You can put the soaps and hang your loofahs on there. It looks great. And they have these little towel hooks that you can either use adhesive to stick on the wall or tile, or you can use screws to put it in the wall. Everything looks great together. And the entire shower experience is second to none. Right now, listeners of the Apple Insider Podcast can get 15% off Nebbia products. Nebbia doesn't usually do sales, but they've partnered with us for a long time. Time, and this is a great opportunity. So go to nebbia.com slash Apple Insider. That's N-E-B-I-A dot com slash Apple Insider. Take a look around and then use the coupon code Apple Insider, all one word when checking out for 15% off Nebbia products. That's nebbia.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Nebbia for sponsoring this episode. 
Also, Twitter announced that Twitter Spaces, their clubhouse competitive feature where you'll be able to do audio rooms with several people talking with each other and broadcasting. We've talked about Clubhouse before. Twitter Spaces is the equivalent for Twitter. They said it's going to be publicly available hopefully in April. So they are working on that feature coming to everyone who uses Twitter. I'm still curious about this new medium of audio content for lack of a better word, this live streaming, live broadcast with multiple people. I keep trying to get into Clubhouse and listening to rooms. I just have not found great content there. One day, William, Wes, and I, we should do a Clubhouse room, but maybe we'll just do a Twitter space instead. And honestly, for me, I would like to do it on a platform where I have more of a following rather than starting from scratch and a platform that I know anyone with Twitter can listen and don't need an invite. So if Twitter can get this going publicly quickly I feel and do it well, I feel like it could undercut Clubhouse except for you know the novelty of using a different app like Clubhouse for doing it. So I'm looking forward to Twitter launching this and I definitely want to try it. I'm going to admit that things have changed since the last time I talked to you. I now have... I have a Clubhouse membership. Uh, Craig Jobbins from London Mac User Group uh, invited me into Clubhouse and I joined up and it's very nice of him and I thank him very much. And uh, it must be 10 days now since he did it and I've completely forgotten to go into even listen to one. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. To admit that. But I will and it will be great. That's what I will do. Okay. Well, two other quick news about the iPhone. Apple actually has overtaken Samsung globally in their device sales for quarter four of 2020. Apple actually sold 10 million more phones than Samsung in that quarter. Now, with the S21 and S21 Ultra recently coming out, that probably will change again next quarter and Samsung will overtake Apple. But it's nice to know that that is still a neck-and-neck -neck race and Apple can still outsell Samsung, especially when those new lines of iPhones come out. And iPhone 12 has been called a super cycle. There's lots of people upgrading this go around for sure. I'm never sure anymore what to think about these things because Samsung never reported what it sold, only what it made. Apple doesn't say what it sold, so I don't know how mm. accurate people's estimates are and how they work them out. So when things are quite narrow and close, is 10 million narrow at those volumes? Maybe. Right. Um, just good to see that there are a couple of phones doing well. Also, the iPhone 12 is actually going to start being produced in India. Apple and Tim Cook announced that they're opening uh, manufacturing plants there. And the iPhone 12 will start production this year over in India. With the, the um, serial number change you mentioned, that it might be made in India, but we'd never know. But uh, the serial number is for future products, isn't it? So uh. the iPhone 12 will, will still presumably know where it comes from. I mean, not. I imagine that it matters, but it's good to see India's technology business booming the way it is. So Parler, the social media app that was actually shut down by Amazon's web services and was kicked out of the Google Play and Apple stores, they tried to resubmit their app to Apple to get back into the app store, but... Apple rejected it again, and Apple said that, quote, simple searches within the app revealed highly objectionable content, including easily identified offensive uses or derogatory terms of things regarding race, religion, sexual orientation, even Nazi symbols. I think swastikas were still readily seen and available just in cursory searches of this updated app. So Parler still did not make it into the App Store, and since it seems like they had let go of their remaining iOS developers, and it seems like they're giving up on trying to get back into the app store and it seems such a pleasant place 
uh, to be parlor. Uh, I sure. think the world's going to miss that. Yeah, for sure. So also, a new Apple TV Plus original TV show was announced called Lady in the Lake. It's actually going to star Natalie Portman, and it's co-written by Alma Harrell. I hope I pronounced that correctly, but uh, it's actually their first foray into television both Alma and Natalie. And I'm excited about this. I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying For All Mankind. Ted Lasso has won a bunch of Critic Choice Awards and the Golden Globe. Apple TV Plus, you know, however it started and, you know, maybe Rocky Start, first year of content, I have to say it is really maturing and I'm excited about a lot of the content coming to Apple TV Plus. Have you been watching some stuff on there? Nowhere near as much as you. Uh, I, I, I must try Ted Lasso because I, I avoided it because I read the script to the pilot episode and I thought this was really quite clunky and I couldn't see how it could run for as many episodes as it has. But clearly it's running and running very well. So I should try it again. Plus it's about sports, which is clearly not me. So it had like three strikes against it for me, but I'll give it a fourth strike and see what happens. Um, I did enjoy On the Rocks, uh, Sofia Coppola's uh, film that was up for a few awards mm. recently. So I'm more prone to dipping into it, watching more content through Apple TV's app on the Mac than I was, but still not as sold as you. Wait a minute. So you read the script of the first episode of Ted Lasso in its entirety, but have not seen it? Yeah, it's only a 30-minute episode, isn't it? So what's that? Uh, 35, 40 pages or so. Uh, it was available. I, I read a script every day. That was next on the list. Uh, if I'd liked it, I would have watched the show, and I didn't, so I kind of forgot about it. But then, you know, uh, everybody's very persuasively raving about it. Uh, and it was the pilot script I read. Pilots are incredibly hard to write. So perhaps I was just being unfair. Uh, but there were just elements I thought wouldn't last. I mean, that's an incredible way to consume content. <laughs> I have not heard of anyone reading the script of the show before watching it. So, I mean, kudos to you. I know you're, you're a professional over there. But I will say, and many of our listeners might tweet at you after this, but I really think you have to watch Ted Lasso because Jason Sudeikis, his performance on camera is at least half or more than half of the character of Ted Lasso. And hearing him deliver lines... I'm sure the lines in the show would come across very differently if you were just reading them on a page. So I'm not, not saying you have to, but I would highly recommend you actually watch at least two episodes. I would say at least two episodes of Ted Lasso. Okay, but as soon as somebody said, the last time somebody said that to me, they said, watch these specific 10 episodes of Babylon 5 and you'll be a fan for life. <laughs> I have not spoken to that person since because <laughs> oh. of it. Watch whatever episode you want in whatever order you want, and I, I just just give it a chance. I think you just need to see his character on screen. That's all I'm saying. No caveats. You can watch it backward. That's totally fine, too. I do want to say, as a, a script writer, uh, the script has to be right. The performance, the direction, it, no one thing can be off its game or the whole thing falls apart. I just felt that the script didn't have it. So it could be okay, but it could never be great, and I am apparently wrong, so I'm mm. happy to hear that and will try again. wanted to cover a couple Apple Insider tips on the website. One is the one-handed keyboard that's actually available on the iPhone. You know, if you have the larger iPhone 12 Pro Max, maybe because you wanted the better camera system or you like the bigger screen, but find it difficult to actually type on it, especially one-handed, there is actually a keyboard that will move over to the side. This is Apple's built-in keyboard, not a third-party one. And you can access it either by long pressing on the globe icon and then 
choosing to switch the keyboard to the left or right side of the screen. And you can also enable it in settings. So helpful tip out there, especially if you want more one-handed use out of that larger phone. I'll put the link to that article in show notes. You can see the screenshots about how to enable that step-by-step. Also, the built-in text expansion features that are both on the iPhone and the Mac. I use a third-party app on the Mac called Text Expander, and I have kind of different macros set up in that. But you can actually use Apple's built-in keyboard shortcuts, basically, if you'd like to program some of these automated expanding things. And so I'll put an article to that in show notes as well. And a final tip, Matthew Casanelli, he actually worked on the original Workflow app team. Workflow was what Shortcuts was before Apple bought the Workflow app, where you can do all the macros and stuff like that and have step shortcuts and all that. And then Apple bought Workflow became Siri Shortcuts. Well, Matthew Casanelli went over to Apple for the brief period once Workflow was bought, and now is out on his own, and he has his own website, and he really focuses on shortcuts and teaching people how to use it. He's got a YouTube channel as well, and he just released a new shortcuts library, and he literally has a ton of shortcuts for free, and then some also behind a paywall. But even if you just go for the free shortcuts, they have some incredible shortcuts there. I think you would find them extremely useful. So go to the link in show notes. That's matthewcasanelli.com slash series shortcuts. And I think you'll find some really useful stuff there. And finally, kind of a feel-good story about the Apple Watch. There was actually a man wearing an Apple Watch, and he was skating on a lake that he thought had thicker ice than it did, and he unfortunately actually fell through the ice. And it was a pretty dire situation. And then he remembered that he was wearing his Apple Watch and he could make a call from it. So he actually called 911 from his Apple Watch. And hypothermia was a concern. He wasn't sure if he had any more than 10 minutes really until hypothermia set in. But the fire department, after he called 911, actually showed up within five minutes of the call and was able to save this gentleman. And it's just a pretty incredible story. Again, we've heard lots of stories about the Apple Watch, helping people who have fallen, people after car accidents. Uh, I actually know someone personally who was wearing the Apple Watch and got a low heart rate notification and actually had to go to the hospital and found out they were in kidney failure. She's doing fine now, but uh, again, she would have not known unless the Apple Watch warned her of that low heart rate. So just we hear these stories all the time, and they're incredibly interesting. And again, Tim Cook has said that he believes Apple Watch is going to make such a significant difference in the health sphere, and it seems like they are already doing it with the kind of features and stories we hear about the Apple Watch. I know we hear a lot of stories about Apple Watches saving life. It never gets old. It's always impressive. This one, for the fact that it was through ice, I think, makes I just instantly feel it. But the other thing is, uh, it's William Rogers. And that is the proper name of Buck Rogers. It was Captain William Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers fell through the ice, but his Apple Watch saved the day. I just, I'm fortunate it worked out well. I'd feel bad being this excited about the story otherwise. But, you know, good old Buck, good old Apple Watch. Well, listeners, we'd love to interact with you about anything we talked about on the show or anything Apple related. Talk to me about... We'd love to hear what you think about this possible March 23rd event. If you're looking for those iPad Pro with mini LED, if you would go with the smaller iPad Pro, even if you don't get the good screen or any of the other rumors and links, anything we talked about, we'd love to interact with you on Twitter. You could find William and my Twitter handles in the show notes. You can click the link and follow us there. You can also email me. That link is in show notes. We'd greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Several of you do that every week. We greatly appreciate it. That really helps us out a lot. 
And don't forget to check out HomeKit Insider, our podcast about smart home and HomeKit devices that comes out every Monday. Link to that in show notes as well. And Apple Insider Daily. Get the top Apple headlines in just a few minutes. Thanks for joining us this week. I'll catch you next time.